The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. This episode of Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network is brought to you by Better Than Dot Vegas. That's right, Better Than Dot Vegas. It's better than Vegas. Get better. Welcome to episode 86 here on our new season of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Hello to everybody listening to the podcast and a big hello to everybody watching on YouTube as I bring the video now into the feed here on YouTube and there I am. How is everybody doing? Um, I want to welcome everybody, like I said, to this brand new season of Mr. Benfica. And I hope everybody listening to the podcast enjoyed the theme song. Again, that is the work of the musical group Agendas. And they created that that music. They put the audio or the commentary over their original music. Okay, You can check them out to the link um, in the show notes. It's all of their social media stuff is there in the show notes. I've provided links, agendas. Check them out. Matt Townsend, uh, Pete, and Jeff. Good guys. Jeff's a big fan. Please support them. And how does everyone feel now after the results from last Friday afternoon? The traveling up north to Villanova, Pamuico, and coming away with a victory. I don't want to get too high on it, okay? This was not the same family tone we saw last season. Let's be perfectly honest. And um, I think it's a step in the right direction, obviously, anytime you get a 5-1 victory. But I also want to slow down the train just a little bit and um, take this one match at a time. I didn't get a chance really last episode to finish up. My thoughts on the Pauk match, um, again, uh, I was sharing the, the, the episode with Leo Kukakis from DGNs United, who follows Greek football and provided a lot of uh, good perspective and insight to the Pauk side of, of the duel. But um, I thought that some of the reaction from Benfica Nation was a little bit 
unrealistic. Okay. Um, what? That's not the right word. Okay. It's it's Benfica should beat Pauk. That's that goes without saying. That's um. That shouldn't need to be stated. However, this was not the result. Be, let's be careful here. I see a lot of people already pointing the finger at George Zouj and already pointing the finger at the new signings. The only reason we're in that match, everybody, remember, is because of last season. Remember why we played that match. We should have been champions last year. Anyone who disagrees with that, is making excuses, in my opinion, because when you have a seven-point lead in January, you should hold on to win the league. But in the event that you don't, okay, we yes, we blew the seven-point lead, but even after then, our rivals slipped up three, four times, gave us plenty of opportunities to take the title back. We did not capitalize. So the players that were in that match... A lot of them were responsible for that match even having to be played. I'm talking about PZ. I'm talking about Andre Almeida. To a lesser extent, in my opinion, Rafa. Okay, even even um, Ruben Diaz. A, maybe he wasn't at fault completely, but he was there. He was playing. Okay, Julian Weigel was playing in those matches where it slipped away. Okay, I was concerned about that exact thing happening when we came in second. And when UEFA announced that this round was going to be played in a one-match playoff, okay, I was concerned that exactly what did happen was what was going to happen. We set ourselves up for it. I think it was obvious when they, when they signed Zivkovic, who didn't think he was going to score? It always happens that way. Talishka, Renato Sanchez, you know, let's go down the list. Uh, Axel Witzel. Our former players, uh, Luka Jovic, our former players score against us in Europe when we see them. When we see them, they score against us. There's no question about that, okay? So I think we should have been, you know, ready for that. I, I came down a little hard on some of the players, Terap, on Grimaldo. And I understand Grimaldo is not fit. My issue is not his fitness. I I just think tactically in matches, and of course he went and played well, you know, in this match we're going to talk about today, as did Terapt, okay? So maybe they listened to the show, who knows? I highly doubt it, but they did play better. But I think what happened is the match called for something different than that. And um, Grimaldo's lack of ability to defend really irritates me. I don't care how good you are going forward. You're, if you're Benfica, if you're not Real Madrid, if you're not Manchester City, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and you're playing in the back, you're going to have to defend at some point. Those teams, they may never have to defend because they have the ball all the time. Understood. But if you're Benfica, I don't care who you're playing. At some point, you're going to have to defend. Okay? We saw a team last year struggle against Maritimo, struggle against Santa Clara, against Vitorio Stubal. Okay, against Famalicão last season. And we think that we're going to go in to Greece and play Pauk, who are a much better team than anybody gave them credit for. Okay, they were a much better team than anyone gave them credit for. They executed a perfectly mastered, engineered plan to beating us. Abel had an advantage. He knew us. Nobody in Befica knew anything about Pauk. Didn't have much time to study up either. The draw was 
fairly recent. We didn't know who we were going to play. They beat Besiktas, and that's who we got. For whatever reason, UEFA decides that the seeded team doesn't have a right to play the match at home. I don't understand that policy because you have the seeded pot, Seri, as we say in Portuguese, and you have the unseeded pot. One plays the other. I don't understand why, due to the higher seeding, the, when there's only one match, why the, the higher seed wouldn't have the advantage of playing at home. I feel they would have earned that. However, that's not the way UEFA drew it up. So we went to play on a hot night in Greece, okay, against a team that was a little further along in their preparation than we were, a team that had studied us better than we'd studied them, let's be honest. And then they took advantage of Benfica's inefficiencies. That's, at the end of the day, what happened. It wasn't the end of the world was what I was trying to say. It was the first of maybe as many as 60 matches this season. Um, in every match is its own chapter in this story that will be Benfica 2020-2021. And um, obviously, it's not how you start. A year ago, a, a rival of ours, we laughed at them when they were knocked out of, of the Champions League, okay, to an unknown Russian side. We laughed. At the end of the season, who was laughing? It wasn't us. So there's plenty still to play. Yes, I understand the sentiment that the Liga is not enough. I understand that. I think the, from a footballing perspective, not a business perspective, the Europa League is a better opportunity for Benfica at this time in this project. In fact, part of me thinks JJ believes that too. And I think JJ, now that I had time to think about it, may have put that lineup in there. Not worried if we didn't go into the Champions League this year. I think he may have assessed what he had and said, we're not ready yet. Yes, that's going to piss off fans and they will never, never admit to that. The, the staff or the, the board will never admit to that, but I think it's a possibility that subconsciously, at least, the thought was this isn't a Champions League team, and we're not. Let's be honest. We're not. Our club history and our, our badge and our reputation, if, which hasn't been as good, but our legacy says we belong in the Champions League. Our product on the pitch right now, at chapter two now of 60, if that's what we play this year. Not quite ready for that right this second. There's still things that need to be ironed out. There's still things that need to be changed. There's still missing pieces out there in the market that we got to go get and bring in. Okay. So that, that's my final thoughts on that. We're going to move forward because we're here to talk about Liga Nage. Yes, they still call it Liga Nage. I thought that Nage was going to get out of that naming uh, contract, but it's still Liga Nage for this season. We're in round one, Benfica visiting Family Count. We're going to take a quick break here. Those of you listening on the podcast are going to hear us pay a quick bill, and then you're going to get your usual reconquista, and then we'll be back. If you're watching on YouTube, just sit tight for about 10 seconds or so, and we will be right back here on Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. You can check out Mr. Benfica.com and also on the YouTube channel. If you're watching YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. The episodes are all going here this season. All right, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you're not, if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. I'll have some throughout the season. I'll probably have some YouTube exclusive content and some podcast exclusive content. Um, 
to keep it fresh and to keep uh, the listeners of both platforms, you know, with some exclusive stuff. All right, we'll be right back and we'll be talking about Benfica versus Pamela Como, Benfica at Pamela Como, to be more exact, here on Mr. Benfica episode 86 on the PTB Media Network. Benfica episode 86 as we get ready to go into Benfica versus Famalicão I should say Famalicão Benfica to be correct and what we're going to do we're going to take a look now at these starting lineups as I am going to switch the screen for those of you watching on the PT watching on YouTube that is and here they are all right so Famalicão the home side managed by João Pedro Souza Start with our old friend Zlobin in goal. They and then this is what I hate about about goal point. They don't put the, the players full. We have George P there at right back. I'll get to his full name. I know when I go through the report. Richelli is the center back along with Babic and Verdonk on the left. You have Valenzuela, Bruno Jordão, Gustavo Assunção, Guga, and Lamiras. In a five-man midfield with Tony Martinez, the soon-to-be Porto Dragon. Yes, the soon-to-be Tripeiro with an excellent <laughs> an excellent send-off from Fumalicão here. Uh, that is Fumalicão's um, 11. Remember, Portugal still utilizing five substitutions this season. Benfica starts with Vlaco Dimos in goal. Andre Almeida on the right. 
Ruben Diaz and Vertonghen are the center backs, and Grimaldo is the left back in midfield. Rafa gets the start on the right, a change. He starts over Pizzi. Tarap partners with Gabriel in a little bit of a, uh, of a surprising uh, tandem in, in midfield. You guys know how I feel about that tandem. Not necessarily them individually, but as a pair, I do not like them. Um, they were not exploited, though, in this match. This match uh, was fine for them. Um, I don't know if this was Benfica's scouting department or George Zouz's, uh staff and his analysis department. Knowing better and knowing that a holding a true holding mid is probably not necessary in this match. I don't know. Um, or if he just... There was there was rumors of a bust-up with, with Weigel in training over the week. So I don't know if that was... If that had to do with Weigel being dropped. Um, or if it's just to keep the squad fresh and to rotate a little bit early in the season and to get different looks. Either way, this this tandem worked in this match, okay? It's not my favorite tandem by any means, but it worked in this match. I will acknowledge that. On the left, we had Everton Cibolina, who continues his, uh, his very good start to the season and his very good start to his time here with Mefica. Up front, a surprising, a surprising selection uh, for the pair of strikers as... Uh, Seferovic is dropped um, in addition to Pedrinho, who had played in the previous match. And we get Darwin Nunez and Luka Waldschmidt as the starting strikers. And that is a good, a good uh, pair. I was very, very excited to see Luka Waldschmidt in this match. Okay, I was very excited to see Luka Waldschmidt. Didn't get to see a lot of him in the preseason. As JJ would say later in the, in the post-game presser, he was with the national team on holiday as he kind of, I think he threw a little shot at Joachim Lowe for not even playing Luka Waldschmidt and in a sense saying he wasted his time going to the national team. Um, I'm going to be looking to my right, everybody, as I pull up the notes from the match. Okay, so if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing me turn to the right because I'm looking at the notes here. And we're going to get started. The as Benfica start with the kickoff. And before you're even in the first minute, within seconds, Rafa is fouled for the first sub of the match. Under Almeida will <laughs> will return the favor in the second minute, taking down Tony Martinez. Calvin Verdonk uh, would foul Rafa two minutes later after a little bit of fouling. Benfica starts on the right foot again. They start on the front foot. They start out with some good pace, some high press. And what this lineup looked like to me was George Zouj instilled some speed. He has less speed in the center of the park, okay? Gabriel, Tarapt, Vertonghen, Ruben Diaz, less speed, okay? Everybody else on the pitch was fast in this match. He went with speed. He went two fast attackers, Luka Waldschmidt and Darwin Nunez. And um, I think it paid off. I think he played the high press. It, they were able to sustain it a little bit better. Of course, this was there were, the quality of opponent dropped. If you think that this Fumali Khan was better than Pauk, then you need to rewatch these two matches because um, perhaps player for player, Fumali Khan is a better team than Pauk or they have better individuals. But the team dynamic is still in the very, very early building phase. So they're not. They're not. This is a horrible draw for Family Count to start the season with Benfica before they've had any chance to really build any chemistry. Remember, the majority of their team is off. The both Gonçalves are gone. One is with us. The other is with Sporting. Um, Tony Martinez is on his way out. Why? You know, sometimes when players are with one foot in, one foot out, it it hurts to play them. 
as much as you want to and as tempted as you are, their head is somewhere else. And I think Tony Martinez's head was somewhere else. João Pedro Souza in the postgame presser didn't agree with that. He said that, that he, he had a good game. He was happy with Tony Martinez and that he counts on him for next weekend. We'll see. But we move forward, and it doesn't take long. It is the 18th minute, and it is Luca Waldschmidt, his Portuguese league debut, the young German international who we acquired this offseason from Freiburg, gets a goal, a left-footed shot from the center of the box in the center of the goal, beats Zlobin, and Benfica are ahead early, and this relieved a lot of pressure. This was a crucial, crucial goal. In my opinion, this was um, a game changer because what happened against Pauk was this goal never came. This early goal to, to, you get out, okay, and you get the tempo going and you're on the front foot and you're, you're attacking and you're creating chances. You got the, uh, the opponent uh, beginning to doubt. But the longer you go without scoring, the more that opponent starts to believe, the more they start to gradually work the way out of their back end, the more your energy reserves start to lower. You can't, you can't accelerate at 100% for 90 minutes. That's an impossibility. So slowly, slowly you start to decrease in your intensity, and the opponent starts to gain confidence, and that's what happened. Benfica didn't score against Pauk, and eventually they were scored on. Here they found the goal. That changes everything. So Benfica get the lead, and then to make it even better, it's only two minutes later after Carlos Valenzuela for, for uh, Pumlico has a left-footed shot, shot from outside the box. Block, counterattack, finds its way all the way right to, you know, my favorite player, Andre Almeida, but I'll give him credit. Good ball here. He, he, you know, a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, and he puts a ball across the face of, of the area, and Everton is coming in from the left. He's, he meets the ball perfectly with his right foot. And his right foot shot from just outside the box, slotted perfectly into the right corner. And it is 2-0 to Benfica, 20 minutes in. And at this point, you know, worry and doubt, I think, starts to, to decrease. And you start to feel pretty comfortable with a Georges Zouge-led Benfica having a two-goal lead. Okay. We saw two-goal leads evaporate a year ago, but I think the average fan under George Zouge has a little more comfort in a two-goal two lead, okay? And you can clearly see the differences, even if the result, for example, that first result was not very good, was not what we needed. You can see the examples in the play in this very early stage of building this team, rebuilding this team, if you will, with some new players and integrating them with, with the returning players. You can see that steps have been taken. I like the intensity they play with. I like that they have reduced the number of ridiculously wound-in crosses from all angles. I think they're, they're doing better to take players on, to get into the final third, to get behind the back line. They're looking for, for better opportunities. We're getting shots from outside the area, which pulls the retreating defense out a little bit and creates space in behind for our forwards to get in and try to get some of those closer-range goals. So I think the team is doing much more as a whole especially in the attacking sense um, early this season. And here, Everton opens his Portuguese uh, league scoring account here in the 20th minute, assisted by Andre Almeida. And it is a big goal for Everton. Cibolinha, a player I'm, I'm super high on. I loved watching him play in the Brasileirão and in the Copa Libertadores last year. 
And um, I knew right away this was a guy that was going to fit in perfectly in Benfica because I think he's a guy for a high – I actually believe he's a, a guy that, that belongs at a higher level than our club. Hopefully we can keep him for a couple seasons and then maximize that investment, and hopefully we can win a whole bunch of trophies with him because he's an absolutely phenomenal player. There's no, no question why he is a first-choice uh, player in the Brazilian national team. 22nd minute, and Darwin Nunez gets his chance. A right-footed shot from the right side of the box. Close, but he misses to the right. He was set up on a through ball from Adele Tarapt. And, yes, I was hard on Tarapt in the last episode. I won't be that hard on him today. Listen, Tarapt has his qualities. My concerns with Tarapt are, one, disciplinary, two, defensive, okay, which against better teams, that comes into play. I'm thinking precisely against Football Club do Porto, a team that is going to try to to antagonize, is going to try to irritate, that is going to try to do everything under their power to get you to lose your discipline and to react and to get caught reacting. They're also going to exploit the middle of the field. They have big, strong guys. Adel Tarapt, if he has to defend, I don't know anybody that can tell me he reads the game well. Okay, if he has to defend, he doesn't know where to be. Yes, he works hard. He is a hard worker because he does not know where to be. So he's constantly chasing at full, at full speed, and then he mistimes tackles. There, that's where my issue with Adel Tarapt is, that and his stat line. Let's be honest, if you're going to play, if you want to call yourself a number eight or a false nine, a 10, the stat line's got to be better. But I'm done beating up on the guy. He had a good game in this match. I think he was, he, was, he was great in support all match. He found his way into the spaces behind the players um, with the ball, and he, he provided that additional support. And he had a lot of good switches of, uh, of the ball as well. And his long pass is good. We know that. He, he is able to pick out players well. They don't always connect. But the vision is, is good in that sense. Okay? His vision offensively finding teammates is very good. Okay? So I think he had a better game. And against the Famalico, um, his weaknesses are not really going to come out. So it, that, that's the mister's decision to go with this midfield. It is what it is. And it worked. So who am I to sit here and criticize that? As we move to the 30th minute, we have a corner conceded. So it's by Fumlico. Another corner for Benfica. Everton takes it. It's headed away. And um, Ruben Lamedic would try a through ball, but on the counter, Bruno Jordão is caught offside. Move ahead here as we go to the 40th minute. And it is the aforementioned Adel Tarapt, good play from him here, gets the ball, finds the, spl- the space to exploit on the dribble, ends up forcing a foul on the edge of the area, the right, the right edge of the area. Um, a beautiful spot for, for a left-footed free kick. Yes, Grimaldo lines up for it. I didn't want, I'll be the first to admit, I didn't want Grimaldo taking this free kick. I am tired of seeing Grimaldo and PZ take free kicks. Now, Two games in a row under George Jesus, PZ hits a post and Grimaldo does what he does here. But I was, I was hoping to see Luca Waldschmidt take this free kick because I know he can hit the ball from from angles and I know he can take set pieces. But nothing to complain about here. Grimaldo steps up, left footed, in swinging pass to the short post, near post, beats Zlobin. Zlobin has no chance. Okay, don't any Portistas come out here on Twitter or on Facebook, on 
wherever, trying to tell me Zlobin is opening his legs for Benfica already. Okay, that's ridiculous. Look at the way your team won before you talk about the way ours won. This is a beautiful goal from, from Alex Grimaldo. Beats Zlobin 3-0 to Benfica. Nice work from Adel Terap, like I said, to generate the free kick and to get um, what I used to consider an assist when I was coaching. I know it's not an assist in the stat line, but in my personal memory bank, I always marked these downs. Players that get taken down for penalties, players that get taken down for free kicks. In, in here, I'd call them assists. Um, so let's notch one up for Adel Terapt right there, okay? If I'm going to be critical of him, I'm also going to be fair when he does something well. He gets the credit. So, um, hey, hey, Mr. Benfica assist, if you will, in quotations for Adele Terapt. And uh, that will take us to halftime before Georges Pereira is the name of the George P in the starting line. Georges Pereira has shown the yellow card for a bad foul on Everton, Subolinha. And the referee blows for halftime. So, on the podcast, we're going to take a quick, quick break here for halftime. And I'm going to. Get a quick swig of this. If you are watching on YouTube, just sit tight again, about five to 10 seconds. And we will resume with the second half here on Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica. Substitutions here in the at halftime. For Fumley Cone, they will make one. Patrick comes on, replacing George Pereira in the 45th minute. It's Patrick William, the I believe English player. Yes, the English. No, he's Brazilian, excuse me. The British. Let me try that again. The Brazilian. <laughs> the Brazilian uh right back replaces. George Pereira, and we get started here. George Zouge does not make a substitution at halftime, which is somewhat um, surprising considering that you get five. It's almost an automatic at halftime. It became that in the run last season because of the fact that you get five over three stoppages, and this does not count as a stoppage. So George Pedro Souza would also or João Pedro Sousa, excuse me, would also bring on Abdul Wahab in place, Abdul Wahab Ibrahim, excuse me, in place of Calvin Verdonk. And it would be Famalico kicking off, and they would go forward right away, and they would get a corner conceded by Andre Almeida right in the first moments. It's doing corner, cleared away for another corner conceded by Rafa. Uh, 46th minute, it's Patrick William with a missed uh, attempt. Right-footed shot from the center of the box. It's close, but he misses just to the left. He was set up on a cross from Carlos Valenzuela. Uh, Darwin Nunez helping on defense in the 47th minute. He gets back, gets possession of the ball, and is fouled by Patrick William. Move forward, and it's early. It's the 51st minute now, and... It is a nice bit of skill and a nice bit of patience inside the penalty area. Normally, we like to see shots in these situations, but uh, 
Fumbly Kill actually did well to block all the shooting routes in this one. They did very well to to block any potential shot. Uh, Everton, with great, great patience, he finds Rafa back to Everton. Everton can't can't find the shot. He beats a guy, creates a little bit of space, slots it again to the right where Rafa is waiting, and finally Rafa gets a, an inch of space, and he slots it into the far post, and Rafa makes it 4-0 to Benfica, and this is how we want to start a season. This is how we want to start a championship. We're so used to Benfica coming out slow, all right? I, maybe they just got that slow start out of the way in Greece on Tuesday. Yes, it cost us whatever in X million of, of uh, euros in, in, in prize money. But again, uh, from a footballing sense, maybe we're past that now and maybe we got a little bit more momentum because some people don't believe in momentum. Um, but at least we have some confidence going forward. You can't deny that. Once you successfully start putting the ball in the goal, you start to get a little bit of a better uh, feel for the ball. You get a better feel and a better sense around goal of where the goal is, where the goalkeeper is. And it's a nightmare night for Zlobin in his debut for Fumbly Cone facing us of all teams. As we are lighting him up, it is 4-0. And we move to the 59th minute and we get a substitution. Pizzi replaces Rafa. And uh, João Pedro Souza will, will counter that with two more substitutions. So substitution number three and four for Fumbly Cone. Ruben Del Campo replaces Tony Martinez and Mateus Clement replaces Bruno Jordão. Benfica in complete control here. And in the 65th minute, once again, it is the German international on his debut. Gianluca Waldschmidt, once again, left-footed shot from very close range this time. High center of the, of the goal. He gets an assist from Darwin Nunez. Great to see Darwin get on the score sheet with an assist. Um, get on the stat sheet, I should say. A lot of pressure on this young kid, Darwin Nunez. A lot less pressure on Luka Waldschmidt. But Luka Waldschmidt, much more the polished player, I think, at the same young age. Uh, coming where he came from and the role he had at, at Freiburg. He, is, he seems to be well-groomed and ready to take on this role at Benfica. And again, I couldn't have been happier with with. Luka Waldschmidt in this match and what I saw. I was excited about this player. A tr- you know, a very close to a true number 10, a second striker. Um, a different body, a different game, uh, in a sense, uh, from João Felix, but a similar idea in the sense of how we, the rest of the team can play. So if for a season last year we complained that Bruno Lage continued to try to play the system, by slotting different people in the João Felix role, we didn't have João Felix. I think we have a guy to play that role. If that's what JJ wants to do this season, he's got a guy to play that role. Um, and I, I, I like this this attack. I like this strike pairing, even if it leaves Vinny and Seferovic on the bench. You know, the, that just strengthens our bench as well when we need something. You know, uh, Carlos Vinicius, if he sticks around, if he's not sold. Um, a lot of people suspect he's going to be sold, especially with the Champions League money disappearing. There's a lot of people who expect him to be sold now to make up the di- the difference. Um, but if he sticks, we know how well he can do as a substitute. He comes off the bench and scores. A lot of his goals last year came off the bench, not in the starting 11. So we still have him for that tool as well. We still got Chiquinho. We got Diogo Gonçalves. 
We've got Pedrinho. We got so much talent on the bench that didn't even get into this match. Okay, it's just key key spots in this team are still missing a piece. I think a number eight is missing. A true eight with with the lung to to do that. The lungs, the pulmon, the ability to get up and down the pitch and to transition the team from attack to defense. We don't have that player yet. Okay, I don't know if that player is out there either. We may have to get on without having that player but that's the player we're missing and i think an additional central defender for the right side is what we're missing okay i would like to see a more defensive-minded outside back get into the team it's probably not going to happen but i think vertonghen can also do that if necessary and of course you still got franco cervi who i think there are games where he needs to be in the 11 we can't we can't take this lineup into the the, the dragon for example they're gonna they're gonna destroy our our outside corridors okay with their speed especially if they don't lose anybody from who they have right now they will absolutely tear a highway on our flanks so we need players like that still that can provide stops that can provide coverage protection to our back line we can't just think that we're gonna go out and score five goals every match all right but it is Luca Valschmidt making it 5-0 to Benfica. A minute later, though, Family Khan will pull one back. Our former youth product, Guga, once again, he scored on us last year. He scores on us this year. Right-footed shot from the center of the box, right bottom corner, assisted by Ruben Lamirez, and it is 5-1, 70th minute. Gabriel goes in the referee's book for a yellow card. Same thing as I criticize uh, – I have to be fair and criticize my man, Gabriel, although it's been a lukewarm. Uh, my feelings for, for, for Gabriel have some serious, seriously cooled off. Um, again, a little bit of indiscipline or lack of discipline. Um, I don't like to see that. Uh, it worries me. Another reason I don't like the Tarapt and Gabriel tandem. You need a certain a strong, sure, disciplined man in the middle there who's not going to get himself booked needlessly and not going to get himself sent off. Um, this game didn't, didn't exploit it, okay? Uh, this team did not have the ability to make us pay for this. And George Zouz probably knew that this team was not going to be able to do that. That's why he set these two out there. Um, gave, gave the team a different look. Gave himself a different look. He can see for himself. Uh, this lineup, and I think they had a good game, but but bookings like this worry me. Just like surrendering goals after we're up 5-0, one of my pet peeves. I don't like to see that. I want to see our team keep clean sheets. I want when teams come to play us to feel like it's virtually impossible to get a goal against us. I don't want a team to come in playing us say, yeah, they scored five goals, but they're not going to score like that every game. But you know what? They concede every game. We can get a goal. You don't want a smaller team coming in with that belief. 71st minute, and it is, it is Carlos Balanzuela with a foul on Luca Waldschmidt, which prompts a substitution. And um, George Jesus sends on Carlos Vinicius in the 71st minute, replacing Darwin Nunez. He also sends on Nuno Tavares to replace Alex Grimaldo. Grimaldo, good performance. Uh, he gets a good rating when we look at the goal point in a few moments. Those of you watching on YouTube saw the goal point when I was reading the starting lineup. You, you may have seen the ratings. Good rating for Grimaldo. Much better game for him. Of course, he didn't have to do 
the things that are his weakness. And he's always going to do well when he's allowed to go forward all the time. Um, but valuable minutes, I think, for Nuno Tavares. And I think that George Jesus sees something in Nuno Tavares. I think he sees such a raw green athlete that he can really mold and shape into the left back in his image, in what he wants out of a left back. And if he can make a two-way left back out of this guy, man, the, the, the sky could be the limit. A lot of people don't like him. They don't like his crosses. But you know what? That's all going to improve. He has so few appearances in senior football. The man played, I should say, the kid. He, he got demoted all the way to the UEFA Youth League last season. He played a match in the Youth League with the U19s before being needed to come back. It's not just any player that can mentally handle that. So I give a lot of credit to Nuntavash for being able to handle the up and down of his career so far at the senior level. And you know what I like about him? And nobody's giving him credit for. He makes a mistake. He sprints back to, to try to recover. The next time he gets the ball, he's not afraid to make that mistake again. Okay? So I, I want to give him credit where credit is due. And I think that this is a, a guy, a project, that can turn into a really strong player in the future. And I think with this coach, there's a good possibility. So those are the two substitutions. For Georges Jesus, four minutes later, he makes another double substitution in the 75th. Ulian Weigel comes on, replaces Gabriel, and Diogo Gonçalves replaces Jean-Luc Waldschmidt to uh, face his former t team, Diogo Gonçalves, that is. And um, different, different role for Diogo Gonçalves this season, but he's going to have to fight and claw his way and to earn some minutes. And, and I think Befica are at their best. There's a difference between players being buried on the bench like what has happened to Jota in the past two seasons to a team that is strong enough where young players have to fight for their position, their place in the team. It's much different than just not being used because you're small or just not being used because you're young, okay? I think if Diogo Gonçalves, you, these guys are there. To, they will provide depth, and they will provide the pressure for the first-choice guys to keep their level high because they want to stay on the pitch. That's my belief. That's my hope, at least. As we move forward, okay, that was 75th minute, and we get... We get an attempt here in the 84th as Fumley Cone get a chance. It is Walterson, right-footed shot from outside the box. He misses from the right. He had been set up by Mateusz Clement. Ruben Lamedes hits the post with a left-footed shot in the 90th on a setup from Patrick William. And that will take us to full time. And Befica pick up three points and win 5-1. to one. Here in uh, match day one, in round one of Liga Nash 2020. And overall, I think a good performance, a big improvement. And I'm hoping to see this continue. I want this to be like that first season of Jesus where it's five, five, four, six. Just goals after goals after goals being scored week after week. Putting immense pressure on our rivals to keep pace. And just I hope that that's, this is only the first game. So we cannot... Get ahead of ourselves. Okay, we'll see what comes this coming weekend when we host Moreirense. But let's hear from the manager. Actually, let's go to the goal point first, and let's review the goal point ratings and the statistics first. 
as I have the screen right here, as we see here on goal point, we'll start with Family Count's ratings. The goalkeeper, of course, is Zlobin with a 5.4. George Pereira, 4.8. Richelli, 5.8. Babic, 4.6. Verdonk, 5.3. Lamedish, 5.9. Guga with a 4.9. These are very low ratings for Family Count. Ended up with an average five rating. Gabriel, uh, sorry, Gustavo Asuncao, 5.4. Brunjardon, 4.7. And Carlos Valenzuela, 4.4. Tony Martinez, an unth- doesn't even merit to discuss <laughs> an unthinkable 3.3. Substitutes off the bench. Ibrahim, 4.3. Patrick William, 5.2. Uh, Del Campo, 4.8. Mateusz Clement 5.3 and Walterson 4.9. Lamiraj with a very low 5.9 was their man of the match. And you can see in the top corner of the screen here, you can see that their expected goal was six. And let me open the screen up here. For those of you, of course, watching on YouTube, those of you listening to the podcast, the expected goal rate rate for Family Cone was a 0.6 expected goal. So they got their goal. Um, that's a mark. I'd la- Again, Befica should have kept a clean sheet in this one. I will, I will say that. And I am never completely happy when we don't keep a clean sheet and the other team's expected goals is under one. Um, let's look at Benfica. Overall, a 6.3 rating for an average, um, a whole 1.38 better than Family Cone. Odie in goal has a 5.5. Andre Almeida with a 6.5. Ruben Dias, 5.5. Vertonghen, 5.6. Grimaldo with a very good 7.1 rating. Gabriel, 5.9. Tarapt, 7.5. A good rating for Adel Tarapt. Good, re- a good uh, response to maybe a lesser performance in Greece on Tuesday. Rafa, 6.9 and a goal. Luca Waldschmidt with a 7.1. Uh, Darwin Nunez 5.6 and down here you see the man of the match right there and there you see him it is Everton Subolina 8.3 he is the man of the match for the second match in a row for Benfica at least according to goal point the substitutes Pizzi with a 4.8 Carlos Vinicius 5.1 Nuno Tavares 6.6 Ulian Weigel 5.3 Diogo Gonçalves 5.0 Let's look at some of the statistics now in this match as we reach in here. As you see, if you're watching on YouTube on the left, there's the man of the match, Everton. And you see his heat map right here. He spent a lot of the match on the flank um, and then cutting in. He's got a goal and an assist, a very good, very good outing for Everton Sabolina. One goal, one assist, as it says there, passes for, for a shot three. He set up three different shots. He had two crosses. One was effective or one connected. Uh, 14 attempted dribbles, six connected. He suffered four fouls. He was, or he was fouled four times. And an amazing 10 recoveries of possession for Everton. Look at the stat line here. Shots, it was 14-6 to six in favor of Benfica. Uh, shots on goal, 7-2 to two in favor of Benfica. This is a new stat that Goal Point added this season. Aksonjinari adversaria. Actions in the in the opponent's area. 35 actions in the opponent's area. What exactly qualifies as an action? 
I'm not 100% sure just yet, but look at that disparity, 35 to 4. That just tells you how much time Befica spent. I talk about territory, right? I say that that possession is nothing without territory. It has no context, but that right there adds some territorial context when you're in the opponent's area for that many movements, that many actions. That is a very dominating stat line for Benfica. Four corners to three. Benfica were the more efficient. Uh, pass efficiency, Benfica 86% pass efficiency rate. 267 for Famalicão. While the vertical pass rate for Benfica, very good. 72% um, in vertical passes. Uh, Famalicão only 49% effective vertically. And it looks like this one is defensive. Um, Defensive actions in the other teams. I'm not exactly sure what the abbreviation means, but Benfica dominates that stat line. I think that that um, defensive actions in the other teams half of Mayo Campia, no Mayo Camp adversario MC is Mayo Camp. So in the other teams, uh, midfielder in the other teams, middle third, uh, Benfica with 27 defensive actions. Uh, Benfica just all over the ball here. And Benfica commits four, uh, 10 fouls to Family Cones, 14, and there's possession 63% to 37%. And I think there's another stat line here. There, as you can see here, you can watch the highlights on goal point as well if you need to see it. As you see the two lineups, and there was this is what I wanted to show you. If you are watching on YouTube again, if you're on the podcast, I'll have to explain this. This was in the fifth, twenty-fifth minute. Goal point put this out, and this was in, this was very impressive. This is Gabriel. Okay, I talked about him. Uh, he had connected on many long passes already in the twenty-fifth minute. All these in blue here are connected passes for Gabriel. And you see how many are, are forward and long. Only three missed passes in 25 minutes from that position. All of the ones missed were long ones. And it says here, um, some. I mean, goal point is just a great, a great resource when watching these matches or after these matches to try to evaluate. So that is the match in a nutshell. Let's uh, listen to what George Zuzuj had to say about this on the podcast, of course, on YouTube. We can't do that. But when we get back in a few seconds on YouTube, I will read you uh, my translation of what George Zuzuj said. It may not be an exact translation, but paraphrasing it, it covers the gist of it. So we will be right back uh, with that. If you're listening on the podcast, here is George Zuzuj speaking in the post-match press conference. Que promoveu várias alterações no 11 em relação ao jogo com o Paloc, com a entrada para o 11 inicial da dupla Darwin e também o Valsemedes. Esta dupla esteve em grande destaque. Quando ontem falava na característica de puxar o jogo, era a isto que se referia? É, são dois jogadores com características individuais diferentes dos outros dois pontas de lança, até o do próprio Pedrinho. Não é? uh, são jogadores que têm uma velocidade, uh, uma velocidade não só de execução, mas também de puxar e de ganhar o espaço com alguma facilidade. Hoje o futebol moderno, hoje o futebol moderno os avançados que não souberem puxar o jogo individualmente já, 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 é, já é diferente. Hoje já não há muito aqueles grandes avançados de referência uh, e hoje também já não vejo o jogo muito assim. Uh, e esses dois jogadores que 
falou o Luca Waldschmidt e o Gedoin, são jogadores que têm essas características, sabendo que ambos estão longe ainda daquilo que eles podem fazer. O Dowen praticamente está há uma semana e pouco a trabalhar connosco. É um jovem, ele ainda não, não, não conhece a equipa, a equipa ainda não conhece a ele. O Luca teve duas semanas na seleção da Alemanha de férias, não é? porque teve lá, mas nem... Nem, nem, uns, nem cinco minutos fez de jogo perdeu duas semanas com, com as nossas ideias e a pouco e pouco também vai, vai entrando na, na, na dinâmica da equipa que é isso que nós pretendemos fazer onde o facto de ganharmos 5 a 1 uh, sabendo eu que ainda estamos muito longe daquilo que eu quero para aquilo que é o Benfica jogar ao Benfica All right, so the question from the reporter, and he, he asked it on behalf of another of a, of a colleague, and he said there were several changes to the side that faced Pauk, that they say Pauk, it's Pauk, midweek, um, to the side that faced Pauk. Uh, tell us specifically about Darwin and Waldschmidt and uh, your decision to include them in today's match. Georges Zouge replies, there are two players with individual characteristics different than from the players that played on Tuesday and even different than Pedrinho in, in, in the same respect, to be honest. They are players that possess a speed or a pace, not just in execution, but in the ability to push the tempo of the match and to exploit open space with ease. Today in modern football, the strikers that don't know how to push the, the tempo and use their individuality to exploit open spaces in behind Well, for them, the game has turned quite difficult for these types of strikers. Today, there are very few of those true target strikers, and I also no longer really see a place for them or see a place in the game to play that way. Um, and these two, he would continue to say, these two players, Luca and Darwin, are players that have great qualities, and they have the exact qualities that we are looking for despite both of them being far from what they can potentially be. They're not finished products yet. And the, the mister is acknowledging that. And um, Darwin has only been here a week, and he doesn't yet know the movements of his teammates. He doesn't yet know his teammates at all. And it's hard to, to play in those circumstances, so he will continue to grow. And then he goes on to fire a little shot here at, at – Joachim Lau and at the German national team setup, as he says, Luca basically is returning from a holiday with his national team. Not even five minutes did he play for Germany. Um, and in the meantime, he missed two weeks of very crucial and important work with us here. And what are, what is our ideas of the match? What is our philosophies? And, um, so little by little, he, he will go introducing himself as well into the role and he will grow and integrate himself more and more into the dynamic of what our team will be. Uh, this was a comfortable five to one victory, but we are still very far from where I want us to be, to be the Benfica, a uh, Benfica, as they say, that is George Zuzuj's comments. Now let's take a look here and see what's coming up this week. All right. So we're going to look forward here to round two. And then we're going to check the table, even though it's only been one round. And we will show here the table as I pull it up. 
after one week, of course, um, five teams with a victory. So Benfica, Futebol Clube do Porto, Moreirense, Santa Clara, and Belenish Sad, Code City, all with victories. So they share first place. Benfica ahead on goal difference right now with a four-goal difference. Two better than the other three teams uh, or three of the other four teams with Belenish Sad in fifth with just a one-goal difference. Um, also, you have Boa Vista, Nacional, Rio Ave, Tondela with one point and the rest of the field, the bottom, ten, the bottom eight, it is... Gil Vicente, Passos de Ferreira, Portimonense, Sporting, Vitória Guimarães, Braga, Farense, Marítimo and Famalicão, all with zero points. Some of those teams have yet to play. Gil Vicente, Passos de Ferreira, Portimonense, and Sporting have not played yet, so they obviously can't have any points as of yet. So that is where the standings sit after one round. Let's take a look at next week's matches in the Primeira Liga. And let's see here as it pulls up for me. And you guys at home can see the speed of my blistering fast internet. And actually this afternoon we have Portimonense versus Pastor Ferreira. 2.45 Eastern time here in the United States. That would make it 7.45 or 19.45 in Portugal. All right, and then later this week, we get to Friday. I believe it's Friday. The first match of round two, it will be on the 25th of September, which is, in fact, Friday. Braga hosts Santa Clara. And then Saturday, Maritimo hosts Tondela. Benfica hosting Moreirense at home on a Saturday afternoon. It looks like a 1.30 uh, Eastern time start here in the United States. That would make it a 6.30 start in Lisbon. And after that, it is the Derby Tripeiro later on in that day at the Bessa. Boa Vista now including, now including <laughs> Ezekiel Garay, if I'm not mistaken, and, and Javi Garcia uh, will take on. And, of course, for our American fans, U.S. international Reggie Cannon, now part of Boa Vista, they'll take on Football Club do Porto in the Derby Tripeiro. On Saturday and then Sunday, Farense Nacional, Gil Vicente Portimonense, Passos Ferreira and Sporting. Uh, those last two games are probably tentatively scheduled. If you don't know, uh, both of those teams had cases of positive tests for COVID-19 and their match this past weekend was, was postponed due to that. You also have Rio Ave hosting Vitoria Guimarães in another early season showdown of teams fighting fourth fifth and sixth place in those Europa League and Europa Conference spots. That's right. There's a new competition next season. So um, next season, Portugal will send three teams to the Champions League or two to the Champions League group stage, one to the preliminary stage. Okay. They will send the cup champion, the cup winner to the Europa League, and then three teams to the Europa Conference, the new third level competition. So that's the way the European Places are going to break down this season. And then, of course, next Monday, we have Bulanish Saad hosting Fumalikon at the City of Football. Okay, that is going to do it for episode number 50. Sorry, episode number 86 here on Mr. Benfica. It's the start of, of season three. And I just clocked into work working uh, 
teleworking, if you will, working from home still. And literally with two minutes to spare, I finished the podcast and I clicked and clocked myself in for work. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. I hope you guys like the new format. Hope you like the the YouTube supplement that comes along with it. You can either see me give you, uh, you know, the spiel, or you can listen to a slightly different product on the podcast. And um, hope everyone again enjoyed it. I hope everyone has a good week. We got Benfica coming up this weekend against Morenense. That match will be on BTV, of course, um, and Gold TV as well. If you're in the United States, so if you're not. Check your local listings, as always. And Carrega Benfica, Forza Benfica. Let's see what happens next week. But I am excited. I liked what I saw. This was a step in the right direction. And I want to see the next step continue to, to go in that very positive direction. Hashtag we are Benfica. Por todos um. I'll see you next week here on Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho signing out. Mm-hmm.